Lord, thank you for your word. We stand before you in honor, Lord, for you have spoken these commandments. And we want to honor you in not just reading it, but studying this and also living it and learning how to live out these commandments. So, God, help us today to learn it, to understand your scriptures. Give us a mind, Lord, to understand. Give us a heart, God, to, to receive, Lord, what you're giving to us. And give us a will, Lord. Let us choose to do your will in our lives. And most of all, God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying for us this morning. We give this time over to you. Anoint it with your touch in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I read how uh, a clever Big Apple resident got rid of her rubbish during one of those infamous sanitation worker strikes in New York. One lady put her refuse into a box, gift wrapped it, put it in a nice bag, and then she left the bag and the gift box on the front seat of her car with the window open. And yes, when she checked it later that day, the box was gone. So for nine days of the strike, she had no problem with getting rid of her rubbish. Because what? She capitalized on the high thefts in her area that were going on. Isn't that funny? I think, I think that's a crack up. Well, because of our sinful nature, there's that desire to steal. Because of that sin inside of it's, it's, it's in all human beings. So God here has given us this commandment, commandment number eight, so that we would all resist the appeal to steal. And that's the title of our message this morning, resist the appeal to steal. And we're going to be looking at this eighth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 15. Now, I want to cover three things about stealing. And this is our points in our outline today. Number one, it doesn't consider the other person. Number two, it doesn't consider the conscience. And number three, it doesn't consider the ways of God. So these are the things I want to put into your minds this morning as to help you and all of us live this new life and resist the appeal to steal. First of all, we're going to see it doesn't consider the other person. It doesn't consider the other person. Now I'll read to you verse 15 once, once more. Exodus twenty fifteen, the eighth commandment. It says, you shall not steal. Now in the original Hebrew, there's actually only two words. It's basically no steal. Don't steal. In our English translation, it's drawn out like you shall not. But it's basically stop stealing. Don't steal. No steal. Now, the steal here in the original language, it means just that, to carry away. It means to take something without the owner's consent. But it also carries this sense of deception. Like you don't want to scam someone. You don't want to def- you know, fraud someone in that way. So all of this is put together in this idea of stealing. The idea really is don't take what is not yours to keep. Basically, that's what it is. And we understand that in our today's language, it's the same thing. You shall not steal. Don't steal. 
Now, I was thinking about this reading, this commandment. Have you guys ever heard of porch pirates, that term, right? It's something that's come up in our modern day of ordering things online and packages being shipped to us. And, and, you know, porch pirates, pirates, they're, they're those thieves that will steal your package. Like you order something from Amazon, comes to your house, and they drop it off in front of your door on your porch. And these guys come around and take that. They steal what you have ordered, and, and, and it's termed now porch pirates. Uh, because of being uh, uh, robbed so many times by porch pirates, my sister now has me send packages to her to her neighbor's house down the street. I guess it's a little more sheltered and safe in their home all the time. She said, don't send it to my house because I keep... People keep coming by and stealing my packages. You know, I read, I looked up this week, statistics say about 35.5 million Americans are affected every year at a cost of $5.4 billion because of porch pirates. How sad is that? You know, we live in a society when stealing like this is just rising and there's new ways to take things. I also read like owners of stores have lost an estimate of $86.6 billion to shoplifting or the term today is retail theft because it includes their numbers is 28.5% of that Stolen items is from the store's own employees. I mean, that's almost 30% right there. The the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, reports that consumers have lost over $5.8 billion to fraud. I mean, we know that. There's so many scammers out there. And, and, and some of you, you know, say every day I'm getting this text, you know, or phone call. And I try to put some guards, you know, up that to, to, to keep those phone calls away. But there's, there's so many scammers out there. The FBI reports that cyber crim- criminals stole $6.9 billion to Internet crime last year. So there's so much going on. There's so many ways that those thieves are trying to get at our things. Matter of fact, the FBI reports that there are two, two burglaries occur every minute, every day. That's, that's crazy. You know, that all this is going on. So I put that picture out to you because this is exactly what God does not want. This is not what he wants For Israel, as this new nation gets into the promised land, he doesn't want all this going on, the loss of money, how it affects the quality of life for individuals. You know, he doesn't want that for the society there in the nation of Israel. Sadly, though, down the road, because of the breaking of these very commandments we're studying, like stealing we're talking about, it did ruin the society of Israel. Way later, in Hosea chapter 4, verse 2 and the first part of 3, the, the prophet speaks out here, the Lord speaking through him, saying this in verse 2 of Hosea 4, You make vows and break them. You kill and steal and commit adultery. 
There is violence everywhere, one murder after another. Then in verse 3, the Lord says, That is why your land is in mourning and everyone is wasting away. So do you understand why these commandments are here? It's not just some legal thing. It's not just some, oh, God putting this upon people. But it affects our country, affects our community, our society, and it affects the quality of our life. And today, as we focus in on verse 15, you shall not steal. Don't take yeah, what is not yours to keep. That's the idea here because it affects us. It affects everybody. And so the first thing I want you to see here is how it affects every person, how it affects uh, the society, but more so individually. I want want to kind of hone in on that and look at that, how it affects each person. Stealing, it doesn't consider the other person doesn't consider the other person. Stealing really is such a selfish thing. Several years ago, I read this uh, article. Ohio police reported a 13-year-old middle school student stole $25,000 from his own 83-year-old grandfather, and he started passing out the $100, uh, $100 bills. Now, my first thought was, you had, you had 25000 right, <laughs> you know, in your house or whatever, something. But I, I guess he was holding on to it in that way. But the point is, this 13-year-old, his grandson stole the money, started handing it out. Investigators were able to recover $7,000. But some of the money had been spent already. And, and, and get this, and this, this kind of shocked me too. The authorities, they wrote, they said that, also, adults, guardians, and associates received and spent the cash. Isn't that crazy? I mean, you'd think our, our, our morals, you know, would be better as adults. I mean, okay, a 13-year-old kid, you know, he's young, he's immature. But even adults was cashing in, so to speak, on this. Can you imagine, though, how the grandpa felt here? Can you imagine? I mean, if me, I'd, I'd be so brokenhearted. Some of my own family, you know, rip, ripping me off. I mean, I remember in my 20s, um, I, I didn't have a lot of money. I, I worked, I was working, and I saved money, and I bought these surf racks, of course, right? And I, I remember, oh, I was so excited, bought these surf racks. I, I mounted it on top of my car, and I was like, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to use them and, you know, go surf, put my board on top. And I came out in the morning, and they were gone. Someone had stolen my surf, my, my baby, you know, kind of thing, because, oh, it, it was so precious to me, and I, I spent all that money and, you know, uh, made all that effort to work for it, saved and everything, and it was gone. I mean, you guys probably have similar stories or you've been ripped off in some way or another. I mean, how do you feel? You're upset. You're angry. You're sad. You know, you're, you're, you're maybe even you're even fearful that it's going to happen again. Well, think about that. When you steal from someone, think about the, the, the effect it has on the other person. See, stealing doesn't consider the other person. It, it's only 
about itself, right? And that's the problem here. It's the sinful flesh inside of us saying, you only think of yourself. You only think of what you want. You don't care about the other person. You're like a toddler. I'll say that. You're immature like a toddler. Like, oh, I want that. I'm going to get that. It's me. It's mine. It's for me. It's mine. You grab it. There's no consideration how it affects the other person. The loss of money. The pain. We felt that pain when we've been ripped off. We, and that feeling of we've been violated, right? That feeling of violation there. And so we're going to get more into detail of this. But next time there's this temptation. Next time there's this pull. Consider the other person. Consider how it affects someone. Consider how it affects the company. Consider how it, how it affects your neighbor. Just consider those things, especially on this side of the cross, as we live as Christians before the Lord. We're not about ourselves anymore. We deny ourselves. Our old sinful self is dead. Yeah, We're not to cater to that anymore. But we are to be a light and witness and think of others. So resist the appeal to steal. For stealing, it doesn't consider the other person. Let's go on to number two now. It doesn't consider the conscience. It doesn't consider the conscience. Once again, I'm going to read it. Verse 15, you shall not steal. Now, you may be hearing this today, and perhaps you've read this before, and you, you know this commandment. And many will read the Eighth Commandment. Okay, don't steal. You know, oh, I'm okay here. I never robbed a bank. I never stole a car. I never grabbed someone's purse or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm okay here. And you feel good. You know, in these big things, I haven't, I've never done that. But what I bring to you this morning is how about those little things? How about the, the tiny things that we think, well, that's okay. It's not like going to a bank and pulling a gun out and giving the teller a, a letter. No, it's, it's, it's not. It's not that. I'm, I'm okay with this. You know, in um, Deuteronomy 19, 14, it was Moses wrote that you are not to move your boundary stones. When you get to the promised land and everyone gets their property and there's boundary stones, you know, like pins we have set up on our property to show, you know, where our property ends and the next property begins. Well, well, back then it was these stones. And Moses said, hey, you guys, don't move your boundary stones. And why was he saying that? Because guys, he knew guys would take the stone and move it a little bit over. And every year, move it a little bit over. And do more, a little bit, a little bit. And after a while, it's a lot of bit. It's, it, it's big, yeah? After a while, they've taken a big chunk of, of the other person's property by moving that boundary sto stone. So what I'm trying to say is those little things can build up to big things. Those little things can add up to a that, that it is a big thing too. So even if you rationalize in your mind, well, it's, it's, it's just a little thing. Uh, no matter, right? To God, it's still a big thing. And understand, when he says here in verse 15, you shall not steal. Stealing is stealing. Stealing is stealing. 
little or big. In a recent report I read, it showed that globally, 52% of employees steal office supplies. Over half. 52% steal office supplies. And the top three that are stolen are pens, pencils, uh, sticky notes, yeah, and paper clips, which, according to this article, cost businesses $40 billion a year. So you can see the little things add up when everyone's doing this, too. It's, it, it, and it's still stealing. Now, they say many rationalize. Well, you know, the company owes me. I'm not getting paid enough. Or they rationalize, well, I'm not appreciated. Or, you know, when, whether it's taking little items or big items or, you know, it's like, well, everyone does it. Oh, the company's so big, they can afford it. They're not going to miss it. But that's just rationalizing what God is saying is sin. Stealing is still stealing. Now, if the employer says it's okay, all right, it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. We'll give it to you. But if the employer says it's not, you know what? It's not. It's not. Now, I was thinking about this. When I read that article, I go, this is crazy that we think it's okay with those little things, whatever it is. Why is that? Why do we rationalize? It's still stealing if you, in the, in the definition, right? You, you, you're taking, you know, what is really not yours to keep. I mean, why do we do that? And we think that the little things are okay. And then we do it. You know why? Because we, our conscience is seared. Our conscience gets seared. See, there's something that God has given every one of us, and that's a conscience. We're created with this, with that. It's what the Holy Spirit uses to convict us, to lead us, to guide us, to, to show us God's truth. It's that conscience inside of us. The conscience is like this alarm. Think about it. It's like your smoke alarm, yeah? When something's wrong, it goes off. When, when you're doing something wrong, it goes off. When, when, when you're doing okay, it's okay. It rewards you with quietness, <laughs> you know, peace, and, and, and you feel all right with that. So it's kind of like a smoke alarm. But in 1 Timothy 4.2, it says that the conscience can be seared like, like, a, like a hot iron, you know, like it can get calloused, like it, it, it can not operate in the way it should operate. And how does that happen? Well, when you ignore it, when you say, no, this is wrong, this is wrong, me, 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 this is wrong. And you say, ah, whatever, whatever. After a while, you don't hear it anymore. After a while, you stop listening to it. And so then that alarm that your conscience gets seared, that's what that means. When you keep doing a sin, when you keep doing something, and all of a sudden it's, the conscience, you don't really listen to it anymore, and, and you're okay with it now. And you, you, it's easy to rationalize or make excuses. Well, that's what I think goes on here. The little things that we think, well, it's all right. It's all right. It's not wrong anymore. But that's a problem here. That's a problem because all of a sudden we categorize things to what and rationalize things to what stealing is or is not stealing. So whether big or small, God is saying resist that appeal to steal because 
stealing. It doesn't consider the conscience. Like, think about career criminals or, or guys who all steal all the time. Their conscience, they're not listening anymore. It's really seared. But you know, you and I, even as Christians, we can sear our conscience toward even the little things. And we can approach the stealing where we don't consider our conscience anymore. There was a letter sent to the IRS, and it, it, it read like this. Dear sirs, last year when I filed my taxes, I deliberately misrepresented my income. Now I can't sleep. Enclosed is a check for $150. Then he wrote, if I can't sleep, if I still can't sleep, I will send you the rest. <laughs> right? So his conscience is seared. It's broken. Well, I, I feel, you know, uh, uh, guilty about this much, but not this much. That's a seared conscience, you guys. Funny. It's funny, but to not pay your taxes is to steal from the government. Yeah? To cheat on your taxes is to steal from the government. It's stealing. His conscience, this person who wrote this, is broken. And let me tell you, that's where the enemy wants to get to us. As believers in Christ, his, his temptation to us is, oh, this is okay. In all the commandments, oh, just a little bit's okay. You know, oh, this little thing, that, that's okay. Ah, uh, no one's going to notice. Yeah, uh, you deserve it, right? And, and, or, or maybe even, oh, it's okay to skim on this, or, or maybe your employer to skim on your, your payment. Oh, a little bit here. Ah, it's all right. I'll, I'll help him out later. Oh, no one's looking here. It's just a little thing. But we know what God sees. God sees. We have to be careful because this is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Is have our conscience seared. And sometimes just a little bit is easy to get to a lot of it. Did you know in California, <clears throat> um, I didn't know this, I just uh, read this recently, they passed a law that the crime of shoplifting or that smash and grab kind of thing is only a misdemeanor and not a felony anymore if the stolen items do not exceed a value of $950. Used to be a felony. Used to be a, a big crime. But now uh, it's, it's not that big deal anymore. And they put a dollar amount, $950. Many call this decriminalizing theft. Decriminalizing theft. So if you shoplift or smash and grab something up to $950, it's, it's not really a cr so much a crime anymore. And then I read an article that, that I read that shoplifters will come into Walmart with a backpack and a calculator. So they know up to how much they can take. And they'll take, and then they'll come back another day, same thing. Isn't that sad? Well, in many ways, I think even us believers, we decriminalize theft. We sear our conscience in certain ways. How do we do that? Oh, it's okay, you know. I take a longer coffee break. It's all right. I kind of fudge that, kind of stretch that. Oh, oh, a longer lunch, you know. Oh, I know I was supposed to be back, but yeah, it's all right. They're, they'll be okay, yeah. What happened to, well, no, I want to honor God 
and honor my employer, make sure I want to do the right thing. Some people will even, oh, work a little slower so it takes more hours so I get more pay. Cutting corners, cheating, right? Skimping here and there. How about this? Using sick days when you're not sick to be off from work. You know, that's breaking another commandment we'll see later, right? Is lying. So, I mean, we start to fudge things thinking, well, it's all right. You might think little things are okay, but be careful. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do because then he'll lead you into bigger things and making those bigger things like it's okay. It really is, you guys, those little things that get us. It's that little foot in the door of, of the enemy that will get us. It's those little temptations that we allow and we don't fight, that will lead to the bigger ones. You know, in, in the Song of Solomon's uh, chapter 2, verse 15, it speaks of how the little foxes that spoil the, the vineyards. You know what it's talking about? Foxes were pests toward the you know, vineyard owners, and they, they would go in, dig up things, they would eat, eat the fruit and everything like that. And they'll, they'll end up, if they come in, these little tiny foxes, they'll, they'll just ruin the whole vineyard. So the analogy really in Song of Solomon 2.15 is to get rid of little things that can ruin your relationship. Remember, Song of Solomon is about um, um, the, the two lovers, right? And so uh, get rid of those things that will ruin your relationship. Well, in the same sense, there's those little temptations, those, those little things that we give into, and it ends up ruining everything. So it is with the little things we steal. So it is it's with sin. It's still sin, you guys. It comes between you and the, your relationship with the Lord. So stop stealing here. Repent. Maybe you never thought about these things. Maybe, and, and this is why I, I believe we're here today. God is just refining us here, purifying us, making us think, well, is this thing I'm doing, is it really breaking this commandment here? We need to be mindful because those little things can ruin the whole vineyard. But let me say this. As you come to the Lord today and you realize these things, as the Holy Spirit convicts your heart and is speaking to you and you know, know that Jesus is here. Jesus is here to forgive you. Jesus is here to heal you and your conscience. We just got to stop and let God restore us and restore that, our seared conscience. So, resist the appeal to steal. For stealing, number one, it doesn't consider the other person. And number two, it doesn't consider the conscience. And number three now, our last thing we're going to see is that is that it doesn't consider the ways of God. It doesn't consider the ways of God. Now, let me explain. When the Eighth Commandment, it says, you shall not steal. It's because God has a plan and purpose. Of course, we understand, you know, it's not good for the other person, society. God's trying to help Israel to become a godly nation in this sense. But, but there's, there's something else that it goes against. And, and, and first of all, it, it goes against how God set things up. First of all, 
God set up things that we would work for our provision. That we would work for our provision. I mean, it goes back to Genesis 3. It goes back to after the fall that, that Adam was to labor and work for their food and their provision. I mean, throughout the Bible, we see that. Proverbs talks about over and over, don't be lazy, look at the ant, you know, work. It, it talks of working, not being lazy, or, or, or working, taking those profits to live on, like Proverbs 14, 23. Or even in the New Testament, when the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 3, 10, if anyone will not work, you guys know, neither shall he not eat, right? So this is how God set things up for us, that we are to work, Make a living that we are to go work, make our, our salaries, our money to be able to buy our provisions. And that's because we are not to steal. We're to work, not steal. I want you to see this in Ephesians 4.28. Turn over there to the New Testament. Ephesians 4, verse 28. Now, as you're turning there, I want to... Explain how that Paul, in this section, is writing about how we are new creations. We, we've given a new life now. Our old sinful self is dead. And now we are to live this new life. And he, he really is laying out what that looks like. And in these verses here, he's laying out like speaking the truth. Don't be angry about that. You know, give no opportunity to the devil. And then he comes to this. And this is our new life on this side of the cross. On verse 28 in uh, Ephesians 4, it says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him what? Labor, work, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So not only for his own provision, but for to share, to help someone else here. And so this is in contrast, right, to what we were like. So the old life is, yeah, we're into stealing. We don't, we don't care about the other person. We just want to take. It's about me. But now in, in the new life in, cross, uh, uh, in Christ and on this side of the cross, it's about working. It's about getting back to how, what God set up, that we would work for our provision and even work Enough so that we can give and help other people, not take. That's this new life in Christ. So first of all, uh, to work, this is how God set it up. He set up working for our provision, and that's the way of God. Secondly, now, God promises to provide through our work, of course. uh, But if, say, that comes short or if bills come in, he, or, or something happens and he can't work, he promises to provide through his providence and even use miracles. Turn to the right even more to, to Philippians. Philippians. Turn to the right. Next book. Philippians chapter 4. And we know this verse. We hold on to it as a promise. Philippians 4.19. 4.19. It says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So God is saying, look, look, I've set things up. You're supposed to work and provide. And whatever needs come up, if you can't uh, uh, meet those needs, not your greeds, right? (laughs) But guess what? I'll still provide for you. That's God's way. Psalm 37, 25 even says that... uh, 
the psalmist writes, I haven't seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. So all of this is to say, the second thing, put in your mind that God has set up things in a way that he will provide for your every need. So there's no need to steal. We are to work. You shouldn't steal. We are to trust God in his provision. So there's no need to steal. You know, I was thinking back on how many times, even recently, I've been short. You know, we've been short, or we need this, or there's this bill, or there's, there's this thing that has to happen. And, and all of a sudden, a check arrives in the mail. It's, it's amazing to me how God has done that so many times, right when I need it. And, and this is God's, what we call providence, right? How he orchestrates in his sovereign power, he kind of arranges things for someone to happen to or for whatever reason send you, you know, this check or money. And all of a sudden, it arrives at the right time, you know. The timing is like, this is the Lord. And, and, and it's like, wow, God, this is how God works in his sovereignty, in his providence, and how he orchestrates things to help you out. This is the Lord. This is how he works. This is his provision for it. And it's happened in my life over and over. Even recently, it's like, wow, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So God is saying, look, you guys, resist the appeal to steal. For you know what? Stealing, it doesn't consider the ways of God. Right? If you're stealing, it's like you're going against. No, the Lord wants you to work for your provision. It's it, Sorry, it's part of the curse kind of thing. But it's, it's something God wants us to do. Go out, get a job, get the best job you can, and trust God in that, and trust God in what he brings you. Yeah, and you work. You work for your living. And if you're short, and, and even the work is God's provision, of course. And if you come up short, hey, God will provide for you. You don't have to go and steal. And so if you steal, it's like you're going against everything God has set up here. If you go and steal, it's like you're going against everything that God wants to do in your life for you to experience his miracles in your life. That's why we have to hold to this eighth commandment because we don't want to dishonor God. I mean, yes, he commanded that, and I've been saying that over and over and drilling it into your brains that, well, we got to honor God's commandments because it's he who spoke it. we got to honor him. But look at it this way. When you steal, it doesn't consider the ways of God and what he set up. And that's dishonoring to God. Trust him. Have faith in God. Trust his way, his will, how he set things up. Because how he set things up, that's the way. That's the will. And God will provide. It doesn't consider the ways of God when you steal. I read about a man named Danny Simpson. He was 24 years old. He was sentenced to six years for robbing a bank where he stole $6,000. The funny thing was the gun that he used to hold up the teller was a 45 caliber Colt that he happened to find in his house. And it turned out this Colt 45, it was a collector's item made in 1918 and it was worth $100,000. It's kind of comical and funny to think that. But what do we do? 
We may steal. We may cheat. We may try and skim or, or, or get a little bit. And we forget we have our provider, God, right here. Yeah? That he'll provide for us like here in Philippians 4, right? He'll supply every need of yours according to what? His riches. Is God poor? No way. No way. We can be just like this guy. We, we forget God is our provider, and he has much more resources and ways he can provide, more than we can think or see in front of us. And it's, I know it's hard. It's fearful. We panic. We think, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We can't pay the rent. We can't pay a mortgage. What are we going to do? Oh, we have this medical bill, or, or I, I can't do my car payment. What am I going to do? Then we panic, and we start to take things into our own hands. And if our conscience is a little bit seared, we may even cross the line to what is really morally wrong. So be careful. When you're tempted, when you're in that place, when, when you're overwhelmed, consider the ways of God, how he works. He's going to provide. He's going to provide. One more way I want to mention that we can steal you can actually steal from God. Did you know that? That you can steal from God? What does that mean? Well, when you don't give to God first. Israel sinned before the Lord when they did not give God the first fruits, yeah? Uh, uh, offering in their tithes and offering. So when we don't give our offerings and tithes, it's considered stealing from God. Listen to Malachi 3.8. It says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, the Lord speaking here. But you say, how have we robbed you? And the Lord says, in your tithes and contributions. So resist the appeal to steal when you hold back your tithe. When you think, ah, I don't have a lot. But you know what? God says to give first. God says to, to be faithful, to be thankful, to give to the Lord first. And so when you hold back your tithe, it's stealing from God. It doesn't consider the ways of God. And this is the way of God to give to him first. How does that work, though? Well, remember, back in 1 Kings chapter 17, there was a famine in the land. And God sent Elijah to this widow and her son. They, the widow was about to prepare their last meal, basically, their last amount of flour and oil. And Elijah comes upon them and said, hey, you know what? Bake that for me first, and then God will provide for you the rest. And she's like, wait, wait, this is our last, you know, this is our last flower and oil. This is all we have. But she obeyed the prophet who was speaking for the Lord. And what happened after that? You guys know that jar of flour, right, and that jug of oil, it never ran out throughout the whole famine. That's God providing. That's us. That's how God works. This is the way. This is what he does. This is what he asks of us, to put him first. Don't rob God. Give first, and then you'll see the Lord work miracles. I was thinking about sometimes I see some way, somehow, the car drives a little farther, you know, right? It keeps going a little more. Oh, the check's in the mail. Or, or, well, I... I don't know. The money seems to be staying the same. I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Food somehow appears. It keeps coming, you know. 
or someone hands you cash. I mean, there's miracle after miracle that probably you and I could testify to. And sometimes it's not a huge thing, but it's this consistent provision of the Lord through all these years going, I don't know. Maybe I could explain some of it, but I'm still here. Yeah. We still have a roof over our heads. I still have a car to drive. There's gas inside. I still have clothes to wear. God, somehow, the, the kids are healthy, you know. They're not starving. They're not going hungry. God, somehow, maybe it's an unexpected bonus. Maybe it, it, it's, you know, suddenly something changes at work that you didn't plan upon. God will continue to provide. So as we come to a close, let me put out again. Is the Lord speaking to you? Is the Holy Spirit pressing on your heart with conviction? You guys, we, we have to respond to the Lord here. This message, we can go, ah, I don't steal. But perhaps God is opening your eyes. I mean, I, I know most of you, yeah, it's not like you guys are big criminals or something like that. But we can all be tempted for those little things, yeah? For those tiny things. God wants to purify us. He wants to change us. He wants to help us with this commandment become everything he wants us to be. To grow in our character. To grow in our purity before the Lord as we live before him. That's what's important. To not compromise but say, God, I'm totally surrendered to you. I'm surrendered to your ways, your will, how you have set things up, what you want me to do now, and that I'm capable of doing now because I have this new life and the Holy Spirit is working inside of me. That's why we're here today. That's why this commandment is being given to us. And let me tell you again, God's forgiveness is available to you today, right now. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've stolen, no matter where you've at, where you're at, God's forgiveness is here. In a moment, we're going to be partaking in communion. We're coming to the cross, and this is the perfect time to confess your sins. It's the perfect time to go to the cross, remember what Christ has done for you in, in shedding his blood for your sins so you can be cleansed and be forgiven. But God's forgiveness is available for those who, as we focus today, those who sinned by stealing. Did you know the last person that Jesus forgave before he died was a thief? Right? Next to him were two thieves. He was put on a cross, accused as a criminal, being a thief, but he wasn't. So he is among those thieves. Now, one of them didn't repent, but one of them, the other one, did. And what did Jesus respond to him? He said, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, in heaven. He forgave that thief. So this is God's heart toward you, toward I, everyone. So will you come to the cross and be forgiven? Cleansed. Second chance. Be able to leave this place. Be able to go on into your life forgiven and cleansed and able to live now, not breaking this eighth commandment. I'll close with this. 
Years ago, a man took a picture of some men who were stealing grapes. The man took the picture to the vineyard owner to show him the evidence against them. But when he pulled out the photo, you couldn't make out who the men were. The photo was overexposed and everything was basically blotted out. And I like that because that's what Jesus' blood does for us. He cleanses us. He blots out our sin. Psalm 51.9, David wrote, blot out all my iniquities. And that's what God does. God forgives and he'll strengthen us to live out this commandment to resist the appeal to steal. Let's pray. Jesus, as we are coming before you, Lord, especially as we move on into communion right now, God, you have been speaking and we've been listening. But God, we don't want to just listen, but we want to hear. We want to respond to you. And show us, God, those areas, if there's in any way we are stealing, God, stealing time, stealing money, uh, stealing possessions or things, uh, deceiving someone, scamming someone. Lord, even if it's in the littlest of ways, God, we want to repent of it and be made right with you because it's still sin. And so, Lord, We confess these things to you asking for your forgiveness right now. And we ask that you would help us to to refine, Lord, our lives, to to look into areas where maybe we've been fussing it. Maybe we've been allowing things that maybe they're not huge, but they're still wrong in your eyes. And God, we want to live right before you and honor you, God. We want to become all that you want us to be. And Lord, I pray for anyone here today that's, that's struggling because, because of finances, because uh, they're short, and, and it's tempting when there's huge bills or, or trying to feed a family or take care of this, it, this situation that's before them. Or God, it's, it, it, it's easy to be tempted and to be drawn into sin and fall because of our panic and fears and our worry. But Lord, we want to give all of that to you because we want to trust in you, our sovereign God, who in your providence is working your plan out. And God, we ask for your provision. God, I pray for your provision for those who who can't see how it's going to work out. But Lord, help us to trust that you will work it out, Lord. Trust you that you have it worked out already so god we bow before you asking for your touch right now help us lord in jesus name amen well at this time the guys will be passing out the elements to you and uh, when you receive them we're going to be worshiping the lord too Uh, i would just recommend if you want you can peel back the the, the side with the bread and uh, get that ready and then uh, we're going to worship some more and after that we'll partake of the cup but first we'll do the bread and then Pastor Stephen will come up and administer the cup but right now as we I like to do is I hold the bread in my hands and I, I think about Christ and 
the bread and the cup represent his, his body, his blood that was shed for us. And we come in remembrance and reminding us in appreciation too as like a memorial of what he's done for us. So I like to hold the bread thinking about how God sacrificed his life for me and my sins. So let's worship him right now with those things in mind. And go before the Lord if there's any sin, stealing, or anything else. Let's get right before the Lord as we come to the cross. Let's worship him.